I believe that term sometimes in the life of a Baptist can be scary. But the truth is, we need the Pentecostal power that the Bible talks about. We need the supernatural touch of the Lord God moving in our midst for his glory. Amen, church? What that means is when we come together, we just don't want to come together. But we want to be changed by the word of God and the power of God through the Holy Spirit of God and leave this building to make a difference wherever he takes us in the world in which we are called to live and go and serve. But when you think about Pentecostal power, it reminds me of, of dates that have changed history. Uh, for instance, uh, December 7th, 1941, we, we fam we're familiar with Pearl Harbor, uh, the Japanese uh, air attack, and World War II begins. A date that changed history. But personally, there are some dates that have changed my history. Uh, 1976, April 13th on a Tuesday night, I realized I was a church kid who needed to be saved. And I gave my life to Christ and, and was forever saved by the grace of God. Amen? If you're a Christian this morning, you have a testimony, a date that changed your life. Uh, September 29th, 1978, the, the first date I ever went on with Renee. September 3rd, 1983, we said yes at the wedding altar. July 1985, Drew was born. November 1987, Stacy's born. And then come along December 4th, February 8th, May 13th, and May 30th, the birth of our grandsons. Those were dates that changed our life. But when we look at the Pentecostal power of God, the day of Pentecost was a game changer for the church. Because the power of God was now the thing that would provide the dynamite. The power of God would be the game changer for the church as those new believers began to take the gospel to the world. Now, we find it in Acts 2, but I want to remind you of three things before we get to read Acts 19, and we'll move to 2. And the first one is this. When we think of Bethlehem, I want you to write this down somewhere. Bethlehem equals God with us, Emmanuel, God with us. And as we move into the, the holiday season, I really do love this time of year. Uh, this coming uh, Saturday night, we'll do trunk or treat. And if you're not familiar with that, what is that? It's just a, it's just a way to make a, a quick impact on our community in a very simple way. And we'll put the gospel in one of those bags. One of those treats will be the gospel. And then, and then we move into November, and November we begin to think about uh, Thanksgiving and Operation Christmas Child and be reminded uh, today that we will do a Thanksgiving Day meal again for about the 15th year, but this year it will be a little different as it will be a delivery only. So we, we'll try to get the word out to our community that, that you'll have to register and, and give us your address to, to have a meal delivered. And we'll need more hands on deck to be able to run. Okay, we won't be serving right here at the church. It'll be packed to go. Bethlehem is God with us because November points toward December and we celebrate that Advent, the birth of Christ. And, and folks, I, I grew up in a church where uh, we celebrated Christmas, but we never did Advent like we do it here. 
that just wasn't our background. We never lit candles. We never did anything like that. And, and Advent is a time for us to take intentional steps looking for the coming, the first coming, the birth of Christ. Bethlehem is God with us. But Bethlehem led to a cross. It led to Calvary. And Calvary is God for us. The Bible says God demonstrated his love for us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Anybody want to say amen this morning? Christ died for us. And I'm grateful that he died for me and he died for you. And if you're here and you've never received the gift of eternal life in Christ, that's what the cross is all about. You say, Greg, how could a loving God send anybody to hell? God's desire is for you to go to heaven. He gives you an opportunity to make a decision. And when you say yes to him, heaven will be your home. Amen? So Bethlehem is God with us. Calvary is God for us. Pentecost is God in us. It's God in us. And that's where the power comes from. It's the supernatural touch of God in the life of a believer. So here's the good news today. When you invited Jesus Christ into your heart to be your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit of God came to take up residence in your life. And God in you is meant to be more than just surviving, just getting through. I think we all know what survival is, right? Some of you are thinking, yeah, we know exactly what it's like through some of your messages. I understand that. But uh, have you ever got to Wednesday and thinking, man, I'm just getting through. Just getting through. If I can just get through today. If I can just round the corner for another week. Or if I can just get through, it's lunchtime. If I can just get through this day, uh, I'll be okay. Pentecost allows us to live a life more than that. What are you saying, Brother Greg? I'm saying there's more to life than working 40 hours a week, hitting the clock, maybe getting the weekend off, and then waking up on Monday morning and doing it all over again. That's called making a living. Are you with me? And, and if there are any young people here thinking that one day you can get to the point where you don't have to work, you're in for a rude awakening. That's just the way life is. But God has called us to have more and to be more than just survive. That's what Pentecost is all about. Now, in Acts chapter 19, I want you to listen to this because uh, these were uh, some that Paul was dealing with. Verse 1 says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people, that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. They spoke with tongues and prophesied, and the men were about 12 in all. And the Bible says in verse 8, And he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. Now, I want to tell you this morning 
that the reason Paul could speak boldly and that Paul could reason and persuade concerning the things of God is because of the power of the Holy Spirit of God in his own life. And folks, when you said yes to Christ, it became more than a story. When you said yes to Christ, the Holy Spirit of God took up residence in your heart and the Bible says seals you until the day of redemption. Not long ago, someone knocked at my house door and when I got to the door, it was two uh, senior ladies. And I said, can I help you? And they said, yeah, we're just here visiting your neighborhood, wanting to share good news about the kingdom of God. And I said, well, I appreciate you being here. And the longer they talked, the, lo the, the sooner I realized that they were from a faith background that I didn't necessarily agree with. And I said, well, let me tell you this. There was a day when I realized I was sin a sinner, and I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart and forgive me of my sin. And their question was, how can a man live in your heart? How can a man live in your heart? And I said, he does as the Holy Spirit of God. And we had a cordial goodbye, and, and before they left, I felt led to say, thank you for, for stopping by, and I just want you to know that there's a church on the corner in Camden where I know the preacher preaches that message. Folks, listen to me. I want to ask you this morning, when you think about Pentecostal power, do we really want to see the power of God move in our life? Because when the power of God moves in your life and moves in my life, we'll see the power of God move in this church. What if God's just waiting on you? You're the only hindrance from God doing something that is so supernatural in the life of our church that we would never be able to explain other than God. What if it were you this morning and God's just simply waiting on you? What if I'm here, or you're here today, and you're like Brother Greg was years ago, and you're a church member, and, and you're busy for the Lord, but you've never had a, a regenerate, born-again experience in your own personal life, spiritually? What are you saying, Brother Greg? What if we're serving in the flesh and we've never been saved? We're not going to see the supernatural hand of God. It's interesting that Paul said, into what then were you baptized? And they said into John's baptism. But do you remember what John's job was? It was to point people to the coming one. John even said, I must decrease, he must increase. So he was pointing to the Messiah who would come and listen to me. There's not a man that will save you. Only the one that John was pointing to could save for eternal significance the hand of God the supernatural power of God John says my job was to come and point to him who's coming he is the one and I praise the Lord for the fact that the Holy Spirit of God still convicts still moves and still calls people to himself if you will join me in John chapter 14 so here's where we're gonna go John 14 John 16, and then we'll land at Acts chapter 2. Pentecostal power. If you're with me so far, would you say amen? All right. John chapter 14 is one of the most familiar 
chapters in Scripture, and I believe one reason why being the first six verses. They're some of the most read. No doubt I will read these tomorrow in Germantown. They're some of the most comforting promise because Jesus has told his disciples he's going to the cross. They don't really understand it, so he offers these words of encouragement. And let's just read them again for the sake of familiarity. Let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Verse 5 says, there's a disciple named Thomas who speaks up and says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except through me. Now, if you thank the Lord for that promise, say amen. I want to remind you that when you and I suggest that there's only one way to get to heaven, that's not something you and I are coming up with. Jesus said there's only one way to get to heaven. It's not a Baptist way, it's a Bible way. And Jesus said unless you come his way, that you're, you're not born again, you're not saved. Now listen to me. For you to say that in the culture in which we live today, 2020, you're going to be branded, narrow-minded, self-righteous. Who are you to think that your way is the only way? Bigoted. Or you're going to discriminate against somebody. Folks, I've got news for you. We didn't say it. Jesus did. Our challenge is to say it in love. Can you love somebody that disagrees with you? Can you love somebody that doesn't understand yet? Can you pray for somebody that may not know Christ? Listen, Paul dealt with that all the time. But Jesus knew the hearts of the disciples, and when oftentimes in chapter 14, we get to verse 6 and we quit reading. But when you look at chapter 14, beginning with verse 15, Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit is coming. Verse 15, he says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father... And he will give you another helper, another comforter, the Holy Spirit, that he may abide with you for a little while. What's your Bible say? Forever. That he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And I'll not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For 40 days, Jesus appeared. For 40 days, Jesus didn't just immediately ascend back to heaven, but there were witnesses to his resurrection. And then for 10 days, the disciples are praying. And it's interesting, now go to uh, chapter 16. It's interesting that we are reminded of the role of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I love the fact, folks, I love the fact that he may abide with you forever. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, you know what, Brother Greg? I just haven't sensed the power of God in my life in a while. I haven't, I haven't felt conviction about things. I don't know when the last time I cried 
the other night when they realized that they possibly may have to take Gene Lake to the hospital Lindsay if I heard this right they were in the process of moving Papaw into the car and he died in Randy's arms And as I sat there in that chair the other day and talked to that family and looked at Randy's broken heart, words won't fix it, words won't change it, but there's a Holy Spirit in there that can somehow comfort in the darkest hour of life in the heart of a believer. Some of you are here today and you've, you've been through, you've lost spouses and parents and kids. Maybe you've been through a divorce and you didn't think you'd ever live again and be happy again. But yet somehow here you are. Because the Holy Spirit of God is faithful. You know why? Because he will abide with you forever. And he'll not leave you nor forsake you, the Bible says. And the Bible gives us great promises in chapter 16 of, of, of what the Holy Spirit will be doing. Verse 5, but now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me where are you going, because I have said these things, your sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I do go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe me in me of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged I still have many things to say to you but you cannot bear them now however when he the spirit of truth has come he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority but whatever he hears he will speak and he will tell you things to come Jesus says, he will glorify me for he will take care or take uh, of what is mine and declare it to you. And all the things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Who? Who is he? The third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's where the Pentecostal power comes from. That's where you see life change. That's where you see conviction. That's where you see God break hearts. That's where you see God step in when it seems like the world has stepped out. So that leads us to Acts chapter 2. Go ahead and flip back over, if you will. And I love this message in Acts chapter 2 because I love who the Lord selects to be the preacher. You know who it is? Peter. Peter. I, I love the fact that as the Holy Spirit of God moves and empowers the church, the life of the church, breathes life into the message of the gospel, God uses this in the life of these simple disciples 
to change them forever. And in essence, listen, had it not been for the Pentecostal fire of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, I don't believe we would be standing and sitting here this morning. God does a great work. Chapter 2, verse 1. And, and when you look at chapter 2, we refer to this as the day of Pentecost. In John chapter 14, verse 20, the Bible says, And that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Most commentators would say they're talking about the day of Pentecost, right here, Acts 2. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now listen to me. If you want to see the move of God, there's got to be a, a spiritual unity in the body of Christ. I'm grateful. I watched Doug uh, Wolf's message last week when I was going, and I was grateful. He preached on unity. He preached on unity. And, and I thank God for a church that I believe loves the Lord Jesus. Anybody want to say amen? I believe we love each other. Amen? It doesn't mean that there may not be a time every now and then that as a family that you think your brother or sister is weird. That's okay. We're going to do that from time to time. But what the world needs to see is unity that Jesus brings. Not, not us being critical of everybody else that's not doing something the way we think they should be doing it, but the fact that it's the blood of Jesus on the cross of Calvary and the power of God through the Holy Spirit that is giving a unity like the world cannot give. So when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. Now I want to ask you this question. Did anyone experience the storm that we had here the other night, Friday night? I was in a car. There's a number of people heading south on 127. I was in our car from the church heading home to get Renee, and everybody had their flashers on and were creeping because they could not see. Listen to this. Can you see the wind? We want to say, yeah, you can see the wind. The truth is you can't see the wind. You see the effects of the wind. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing, mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This was a supernatural move of God. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together. They were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled and said, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? How is it that we hear each one in our own language in which we were born and when you look down at verse 13 there, there were some in the crowd mocking saying these guys are drunk but then you get to verse 14 and the preacher of the hour is Peter now I, I, the Bible doesn't say this but there had to be some of those disciples thinking 
Are you kidding me? Are, are, really, Lord, this is who you're going to pick? Last time I checked, I wasn't in the courtyard, denied you three times, heard the rooster crow. I mean, we're talking about Peter, who cut the ear off of Malchus in the garden, who said he would go with Jesus all the way, and, and that reaction shouldn't surprise us, right? This was the one who, who felt like he didn't need to be cleansed by, by God, and then he realized who he was. This is the one who would speak before he would think, uh, the boldest of the disciples, it seems like. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of by the prophet. Look down at verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. This is the Peter who failed Jesus miserably, but gets another chance. And I can't help but think that the reason when Jesus appeared to Peter post-resurrection and asked him three times if he loved him, I can't help but think that those three times represented the three times he said no. And God gives him another opportunity. Let me, let me just give you a few things to take with you this morning. Here's the first one. The coming of the Holy Spirit. You cannot deny that. That God sent a supernatural power to indwell your life as a believer. The coming of the Holy Spirit, first of all, is God's answer for your frailty, for your weakness, for my weakness. We can't make it happen. We can't create a recipe and to say, here it is, this is going to happen at church this Sunday morning. What we need to be doing is asking God every time we come together, prior to getting here, God, cleanse my heart, use me. God, give Brother Greg a fresh word. God, speak to our hearts this morning. And folks, I want to encourage you. When I begin to draw the net of a message and talk about an invitation, you see Marcia come, you know that we're moving into an invitation, that's not the time to start getting dressed to leave. As a matter of fact, it may be the most important part of the message because now what do we do with it? And how awful would it be for me to know that I somehow distracted somebody whom the Holy Spirit was dealing with in a message? The coming of the Holy Spirit was God's answer that you and I can't do it. We can't do it. You know, Renee, Renee's a good cook and, and, and she's a baker and... And most of the time when she bakes something at our house, it's because it's going somewhere else. But yesterday, or, or Friday evening, our house was fragrant with uh, chocolate chip cookie. Oh, man, I thought, what a wife. I wonder whose parties at work. Or something like that. And she goes, she goes would you like some, some hot chocolate chip cookies and milk? And I thought, 
Now that's what I'm talking. That, that's the way this marriage should go right there. It was something that I wasn't expecting. As a matter of fact, it was something I wasn't expecting, and it was more than I deserve. When the Holy Spirit of God came, the Bible says they were, they were doing their thing, but suddenly it happened. You put yourself in a position to hear from God, whether it's reading the Word of God or on your knees in prayer or being in a worship service together. Folks, there's no telling what God would want to do. There's no telling what God would want to do. But make no mistake, the Holy Spirit is not going to come riding in on a donkey or an elephant in November. The Holy Spirit of God is the power of God indwelling your life. The Holy Spirit of God is what convicts a lost person to recognize they need Christ. And the good news is, God gave us what we could never do ourselves. Number two, the coming of the Holy Spirit also brought great anticipation. Great anticipation. Uh, a couple years ago, we took the boys to Kings Island, and it was one of those days where it rained, and then it didn't quit raining, and when it would rain, some of the rides would get closed. And then they'd wait a while, and they'd reopen the rides. So all the boys talked about the whole day was riding the log ride. The log ride. And, uh, and they, they would say things like this, Papaw, just uh, make sure you sit in the front of the log because that's where you don't get wet. So they were, they were looking forward to this good time of, you know, getting me wet and the anticipation of this ride. And the storms would come and they'd go away and the storms would come. And, and two or three times we got in line only for the workers to tell us the ride's closed. And I can remember that day looking at Jordy, the littlest one, walking away from that ride with his head in his hands and he was crying and sobbing. Just the world had ended because we weren't going to be able to ride the log ride. And there was a lady sitting there on the bench looking at him the whole way. And it's like she's saying, the disappointment after such anticipation. Let me tell you who's going to be disappointed. Folks that thought they would just have a good old time in hell with their buddies. Let me tell you who's disappointed. Somebody who climbs the corporate ladder without Christ in their life only to realize that when they get there where's the happiness they thought it would bring somebody who thought the answer was getting out of a marriage because you wanted to play the field somebody who thought that the the economy or the, or the educational system would give them what they were looking for uh, let me tell you something there'll be no disappointment in heaven amen and, and, and assured, based on the word of God, it seems to me that the coming of the Holy Spirit brought great anticipation and hope. And here's what the Holy Spirit did not do. The Holy Spirit did not disappoint upon arrival. The power of God moves, and now the church is born, and the gospel is going to be taken to the world. You say, Brother Greg, how in the world could that happen with just a handful? And how did the, the church, for instance, the message of Pentecost... 3,000 were saved. How does that happen? Folks, I believe God can do more in a minute than we can do in a lifetime. That's the power of God. Things would never be the same. Jesus is the difference maker. This was no ordinary day. 
as the gospel would be taken as a result of God's power to those who would surrender to his will. Now, in the Old Testament, God had given feasts, celebrations to observe, holy days, those days that had religious meaning. And let me give you an example of one. The Feast of the First Fruits. It was a picture of looking at Jesus raising from the grave. It was God's blessing on the harvest. But it also anticipated a resurrection. Aren't you glad this morning that Jesus not only died on the cross and was buried, but the Bible says he is the first fruits of those of us who know him and believe in him that one day even we will be resurrected. It's interesting that Jesus didn't immediately go back to heaven as soon as he was resurrected. But he spent 40 days of presenting himself to others. And then in this time frame of 10 days, 50 days after resurrection, the day of Pentecost takes place. Now, don't think this morning that the day of Pentecost came just because of 10 people. I believe the day of Pentecost came because God had a plan, and that was not to leave us alone. They put themselves in a position to hear from God. What happened in those 10 days? Here's a few things I believe. Number one, I believe it's an opportunity for them to get spiritually clean. You know, for some of us today, maybe the most healthy thing in the world would be to take a walk somewhere by yourself or go out into the woods or down a path or out on a track and just talk to God out loud audibly. And just say, God, I'm sorry, I've made a mess of stuff. You know what's going on in my life, here it is. Forgive me, cleanse me, help me. I don't want to continue to travel this journey. It was an opportunity for spiritual cleanness. Number two, it was also an opportunity for spiritual unity. They were together, the Bible says. They were praying for the same thing. And I believe spiritual unity will also bring encouragement, don't you? We'll encourage each other. What a difference a day makes. What a difference a moment in time can make. I want you to think this morning about when you were saved. Go back to it. You say, Brother Greg, I can't remember the date. That's okay. Can you remember the time? That's the important part. Can you remember the experience of accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Uh, so, so what about this? day what did it do it changed them forever the disciples were transformed on the day of Pentecost they were filled with the power of God they were anointed to share the message of the gospel they were uh, they were delivered and protected by God as they did that and the Bible says even Peter they were given great boldness to share the hope that they had the Bible says in John chapter 14 verse 17 the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Have you all noticed uh, the number of Amazon delivery vehicles in your area? So Amazon now not only sells it to you, but they get it to you. And I'm always amazed, uh, you know, your, your, your local everyday delivery guys, your UPS and your uh, FedEx guys, most of the time, or mailman, they, they, most of the time they know 
who you are and where you live. And it's not uncommon for me to see an Amazon delivery van go up our street slowly looking for the right address. They haven't been there that often. They're not familiar with the resident. Folks, when Jesus Christ comes into your life, there's nobody that knows you better. He knows your spiritual address. He know, listen, you know how they track you online about things you order? He knows what you've been ordering. He knows what you need. Wouldn't it be something? Wouldn't it be something? Looking on Amazon and looking at guitars. And all of a sudden on the screen comes up, you don't need that. And, and what if I typed in and said, who are you? This is a private conversation. This is who lives inside of you. You don't need that. God knows what we need. And the good news is, the Holy Spirit of God is where the power in your life is going to come from. You can wear yourself out trying to make it happen. I'll, I'll tell you when I get tired as your pastor. Is when I realize I'm, I'm playing to the crowd trying to make everybody happy and not ruffle any feathers. That's a lonely place to live. Because that's never going to happen. But when we see people saved and we're, we're, in, we're, we're doing ministry and, and we're in this together, there's not a better job in the world than to be the pastor of a Baptist church. Because you see the change that Christ can make. Amen? Number six. The disciples were transformed. And number six is you may not be able to see the power or you may not be able to see the Holy Spirit. Remember, you can't see the wind, but you cannot argue with a changed life. You can't argue with a changed life. So when it comes to you and me personally, every person who's saved, baptized by the Spirit of Christ into the body of Christ, it's a divine work that people see the difference that Jesus has made. Jerry Vine said this. He said, we all have a triangle-shaped hole in our heart, in our life. And a round world never will fill that hole. It'll never fill that hole. So the Holy Spirit is God in you. So let me just kind of wrap it up with a challenge. Live for Christ. The Holy Spirit is God in you. He'll help you overcome temptation. The Holy Spirit has got in you. Bless other people. The Holy Spirit has got in you. Share your faith with people who do not know Christ. So the truck turns down the street of a suburb. And they begin to clear the trees. Before long, that lot is leveled. And in the next few days, there comes a crew. It looks like they deal with cement. And they begin to pour the footer and the foundation. Oh, how exciting it was to see those frames go up. And you could tell there are going to be a certain amount of rooms. And you see the doorways. And then the roof is put on. And before long, you recognize the doors and the windows and the brick, and the drywall, and the paint. What's that coming down the road? 
looks like a minivan and out pops three little kids who begin to play in the yard furniture is unloaded and put in the house and now I realize that a family has moved in to what was an empty house that's the picture I want you to leave with this morning when you think of the Lord Jesus coming into your heart to live and to take up residence that's what he wants to do he wants to live in you and if you're a believer today he does if, if you're a believer today he does and the good news is the Pentecostal power will only come if he's the one doing it as Marcia comes and as we prepare for the invitation